This is the Improved Photography Podcast, episode number 211. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Improved Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Harmer, and today I am joined from Brent from BrentRentsLenses.com and also Stephen Nolly. Hey guys. Hello. Well, uh, we are going to make today's episode, hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers, we're going to make today's episode shorter than normal because the last several episodes I've gone way too long uh over an hour so we're going to try to shorten today's uh down a little bit but there's always so much to say um so a few things we're going to talk about today we're going to teach you how to use total match exposure in lightroom uh brent is going to give us a review of the palette gear for faster editing in lightroom and photoshop and also uh some cool tips that i've learned uh about scouting specific photo locations and the question of the week and of course our doodads so let's jump right in and talk a little bit about match total exposure in lightroom what exactly is this steven so this is something that it's it's built right into Lightroom, and I can't believe that I've overlooked it for so long. Um, literally, what it does is it will uh, take the mean, the arithmetic mean, and average out all the exposures of the selected photos. So you'll uh, shift-click or command-click which photos you want to match, and it will just average them out. Um, it's in the develop panel under settings, and you just... Uh, click on the images that you want to match and then just hit match total exposure. Um, so if you're shooting, if you're shooting in uh, aperture priority or shutter priority, or you've got a situation where you have a lot of uh, varying, uh, varying levels of exposure, like you're going indoors to outdoors or, or it's, it's a, a very uh, dynamic um, lighting experience. You can, instead of finding all the photos that are in uh, one range, you can just select all of them match total exposure and it gets you pretty close i mean it's not going to dial you in on each one but it gets you really really close to the so so let me jump in on that so i can Mm. do this the way that we normally do this if i want to you know sync my exposure between a number number of images is i'm just going to select all the images highlight Mm -hmm. first one last one while holding shift i got all my images selected that have different exposures right um and, you know, let's say we're shooting in auto mode or uh, aperture priority and there's slight differences in the exposure between each shot. Right. So normally we would just uh, go into our develop module and then we'd sync them. You know, we'd move the exposure and, and make sure our sync is chosen. And when you move the exposure on one, you can move them on, on all. But the problem right. is some of them are off because they're brighter. Some of them are off because they're darker. It's not exactly. all the same direction. So you go to settings and then match total exposures, and then whichever one you have highlighted as your main photo right now, you have all of them selected, but one highlighted, and now it's gonna go to all the other photos, and it's gonna go as much as possible, make them have the same exposure as that. Exactly, and it's a great, I mean, it's, don't, I wouldn't do it and just do match total exposure and then call it a day, but if you're gonna be calling a lot of photos, um, instead of going up and down and up and down, this is going to get you really close to the ballpark, and then you can start doing your, your fine-tuning on each one. So how that. is it working? Do you know how it works? I mean, is it taking the histogram from the one that you have highlighted, and it's trying to make a similar histogram, or or is it taking your camera settings from there? there how is it exactly doing it? I, now, now, I'm not the computer engineer that figured it out, but my my guess is there has to be an algorithm, a weighted algorithm that's taking um, 
taking exactly where most of the weight in that histogram is and assigning a value to that and then putting some sort of arithmetic mean to it so you get mo so if you tend to be uh just slightly towards the right in your chosen uh exposure that you want to match then it starts to move all of them towards that now that means if you have a lot of photos that are underexposed it's going to be bringing up the total exposure so you might be getting a lot of noise in the background that you don't necessarily want if you originally underexpose that photo but i think what it's going to do is it's going to bring up the uh the general level of the photo sites so that overall you're hitting a generalized level that that evens out so if you're if you're getting pretty close on the day on location when you finally come back into your uh, to your Lightroom, you're going to get them pretty on the spot. Yeah, and it's not it's not moving anything except the exposure slider. Uh, it's exactly. only moving that exposure slider. It's not you know saying ooh highlights up, shadows down. It's not quite that smart. It's just taking the exposure slider and saying where should the exposure slider on be on this photo to make it the most like that other photo. So what's right. the use case for this? I mean, is this something you think you'll be using regularly, or or how you can know we make use of it? It is. I mean, one of the things I find is I use if I'm if I'm doing a, a, a large set. If I'm if I'm delivering a large set of photos, um, one of the things that I'll do is I'll I'll, I'll have some pre-made presets that I that I generally like to go to. A lot of them are film emulation presets that I'll tweak a little bit. Um, the one thing that they don't really touch in these presets is the exposure or the contrast. Um, to really get these presets to sing, you really got to get uh, the exposure and contrast kind of dialed in ahead of time. So what I do now is match total exposure, then throw the presets on, sync all the presets, ah. and then I'm in a place where I can really start to tweak the photos. Okay, now that's a cool use for this. Uh, yeah, and I have that. I, I That happens to me all the time because I obviously use presets a lot in my workflow uh, that they'll you know you apply it to some from this wedding or this portrait shoot or whatever and it's looking better and others not so good just because there are lots of variations in the ways yeah. that i was composing it or whatever so i mean it's still not going to be perfect but it, it's it's going to get me there a lot quicker uh and that's the whole purpose of presets right it's quickness right. so if it, if this is a a step that can make that more efficient that's pretty cool good tip thanks all right, and uh, Brent, you wanted to talk a little, a little bit about your palette gear. So, Brent, tell us what is the palette gear and, and what use might this have for photographers? Yeah, the, the palette gear is a set of controls that is a series of buttons, knobs that also have a button functionality, and some sliders. And so you can look at them at palettegear.com. And I ordered their kit that's called the expert kit and so it comes with two buttons three knobs and two sliders and then also has this little control module which is where you plug your usb cord into so you get the usb coming from the computer or your usb hub you plug it into this you download their software and it has a plug-in for lightroom and so it allows you to use these buttons and these other uh, items for adjusting your settings when you're in lightroom develop module so is it just for Lightroom or also for Photoshop? It, it is, excuse me. <coughs> it is for um, 
almost all the the I guess the useful apps. There's a lot of apps from the Creative Cloud that are you know I would have no idea what I would do the ones with them. The photographers care about, but the Premier, ones that photographers Photoshop, care about, your Lightroom. Photoshop, video editing, Audition, uh, After Effects. It, it has uh, workings for all that, all those different um, softwares. So. What you have then, at least for me, what I've been doing, I'll, I'll keep what they call the palette app uh, little module up on one screen because I have a dual screen setup, And that will show me my mapping of, of the layout. And so then it also has the little uh, what functionality that has. So like on one of my knobs, I have basic saturation. Basic temperature is another one. Basic black is another Wait. one. So that's right in the from the develop module item. So... Okay, I'm trying to picture this. So you have all these buttons, like physical buttons and dials in front of you on your desk. Um, right there. It's on the video. If All right, for those so you got these the video. knobs, and then you've got a dual screen setup, and you're, you're putting a whole screen dedicated to just telling you what those buttons and knobs are. Not quite a whole screen, but... Until I remember what they are and can really just be like, oh yeah, that's what it is, then yeah, I'm I'm using it as a little bit of a little bit of a cheat because uh, I've been playing with it, I've been changing the functionality of those of what those are, and it's it's doing all right. It's um, and once I re- you know once I get something settled, I'll remember it and I won't need that there. It's just I have it there now so I can learn it. I'm still I've only okay. been working with it for about two or three weeks. I'm I'm surprised that they don't have any kind of label on them or a little LCD to tell you what it's doing. That's one thing I would love because um, if it had for each little item, just a little spot to, so I could put a label there because I've been tempted to get my label maker and, and put something on there just so I can look at it. Now, the little uh, junction box that everything plugs into, that does change. So like if I were to change... Um, the core, setting in light the brain room. part. Yeah, the brain part. If I change my basic saturation, it will change. It'll flash on its little screen and it says, oh, you're you're dealing with Lightroom basic saturation. Or in this other one, I'm changing the clarity. And so it will notify me what that is. It's just on the slider itself. It doesn't show me that. Okay, so it looks like the expert kit costs $299. Is the right. price justified? What do you I mean, obviously it depends on the person, whatever, blah, blah. Sure. But sure. and and they have different kits. They have their starter kit for $199, or you can get all kinds of different ooh, wood buttons and dials for you yes, know, whatever. Yes, the really fancy ones. But but what do you think? I mean, obviously it depends on the person, but is this worth actual dollars? So what I have found out, at least for me, uh, I don't really care for the sliders so much just because of the way that they behave, but I do like the knobs and I do like the buttons. As oh, really? far what, as the, what don't you like about the sliders? I would guess they would have been the most useful. I would have too, because they uh, just totally mimic what the way Lightroom behaves. And so I have them set up horizontally, you know, and just like the way Lightroom behaves. But the, the deal with the sliders is that if I were to say change my clarity, that's what I have one of my sliders set to. And I were to put it on 40 and I go to the next photo, uh, it doesn't automatically uh, put its ah. setting into the next photo, which is probably what I want anyway. I don't know that I want it to automatically jump to 40 on that next photo, but there's nothing I can hit. Like, it'd be nice to have a little secondary button saying, no, I do want those settings on that photo. 
So if I'm on the next photo and that slider is set to the 40 position, I jump it a little bit, it instantly jumps to 40 on that photo and then it will track with wherever it needs to go. And so it's just a little bit of getting used to, but it's like, mm, I'd rather just deal with the knobs because the knobs I'm starting at zero or whatever the setting is from a previous uh, edit that I've been going through. Oh, and it'll just I take see. it from wherever it's at. And so with the knob, I can just dial it in really nice. Oh, that and makes sense because the knob is pretty you know, cool. eternal scrolling. It's a circle. And right, the, right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Interesting. But one thing I don't like about the knob, it also functions as a button. And it would be great if I could program both of those items so I can push it and it does something or I can turn it and it does something else. Right now, the way I understand the software is you can program it as a button or you can program it as a knob, but you can't have it do both unless you're programming it to only cycle through the develop module basic settings like exposure, contrast, highlights, so on and so forth. You hit that button, it'll cycle through all those items. Okay. But you, but you also have to put your cursor in the where it says exposure you know you've got the slider and then right next to it you've got the the numbers mm -hmm. and then you can click on it and it highlights the numbers you, you have to uh, do that first I think there's an option maybe where you can skip that but uh, you have to basically put that in there first so it kind of defeats if you're doing the cycling it kind of defeats the purpose of having to use your mouse to target that little thing you know the, the power is it just replaces your keyboard with a few of those keyboard shortcuts but then also it's supposed, you know, you can replace the mouse when you're dialing it in the power for me, the reason I like it. And the reason I think I'm going to keep on using it is when I've done an initial, well, for two things, when I'm doing an initial edit, it's super powerful. As far as speed, you just slam that button down. It's like you're playing a video game, so to speak. And I've programmed one of the buttons to be an X. So that's the reject in uh, Lightroom. Oh, nice. Can and you so have just, a sound? Because I've always wanted a sound in Lightroom <laughs> when I uh, give it a one well, star, like, uh -uh. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I don't, it, it doesn't do a sound, but let me, let me get my mic down to it and, and hit it because you do uh, have that. Okay. That's nice. And I can picture that just like a little slap, like a little yeah. offensive slap to the photo. That's nice. That's right. That's right. So, um, and then there's a function uh, when you're in when you're in photo or excuse me Lightroom, where you've got the auto advance. I don't don't know if anyone has uh, done that, but when you're in the library module, you go to photo uh, menu item and you go to auto advance. When you do a command on that photo, whether it's adding to my collection, uh, which is uh, you know that's going to be a keeper. I'll edit to a collection. So that's the B keyboard shortcut. I have programmed to one button and the X is programmed to another one. So I hit B, which I'll add it to my collection for my keepers. That's almost in this case, I'm editing for my stock uh, agent. Uh, and then it automatically will advance me to the next picture. And I don't have to hit the keyboard to take me to the next picture. So mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of fun too. Uh, but then once I have a collection of images already in that uh, collection set, I can go through very quickly and just uh, tap a button, re reprogram that button to tap it to say next photo, please. And then I can just do a super quick edit with those basic items that I am always dealing with saturation, temperature, blacks, clarity, and, and exposure. And I can dial it in for a rough develop edit. I got to emphasize rough because it's not definitely a fine tuning as far as what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a lot of detail when I'm submitting these images, but 
I got to get at least the previews looking decent. So it works really good for that. And it's actually sped up my work for that. Hmm. Cool. Okay. Well, that was, that was going to be my ultimate question here is like when it comes down to it, are you actually faster in Lightroom or is this just really cool to use? Because, I mean, I, it's cool looking. It is awesome. It is. It's got nice, pretty little lights that you can uh, determine which color. Uh, there's like seven or eight different oh, colors yeah. that you can choose from. So, I mean, hey, you that's fun. You had me at multicolored lights. Right. I'm right. sold. But, but, and, but really, I mean, is it really speeding things up? I think it is. Uh, it's, it's speeding things up because I no longer have those really tiny targets that I got to hit with my mouse. And all I got to do is just grab that knob and it just makes the change. And cool. so, again, I'm going back to this, these are rough edits that get me into the ballpark that says that my agent says, yeah, that's a good photo. Uh, where when she makes the selection, I'm going to go in very detailed with my mouse and do very fine quality stuff. But it does speed up that initial uh, edit to get them looking good enough for the selection process. Well, that's that's cool. I've got to say. I'm jealous. That is a fine looking piece of a piece of equipment. I like that. Yeah, it's it's all right. And I think a you know a portrait or wedding photographer would probably also benefit from something like this because you kind of want to go through and you know get things initially called, but then you're probably gonna be like you know I can do some rough edits this way, and then if the client wants a 16 by 20 or something like that, then you're gonna really pay the special attention and and dial in the the perfectness for those. So it kind of you know, stair steps, the, the process there. Well, thanks a lot, Brent. You just yeah. wasted 300 bucks of my money. <laughs> oh, it's not a waste. <laughs> no, that's cool. It looks really cool. I, uh, I might have to get that. It looks pretty, pretty cool. All right. We wanted to, uh, talk a little bit about scouting photo specific photo locations in a second, but before we do that, we want to thank Zenfolio for making this episode of the podcast possible. Um, Zenfolio, you know about Zenfolio. Zenfolio is the professional and affordable all-in-one web solution for creating a website for your photography business. Whether you're a full-time pro, shooting on the side, or you just need a beautiful, functional photography website to run your business successfully, then Zenfolio has your back. With is It has easy proofing so you can send photos to clients and they can order their photos, you know, digital downloads or prints. Uh, you can get it all from Zenfolio in just a couple minutes. Plus, with high volume storage, password guarded galleries, custom watermarking and powerful security tools, you can rest assured that your work is safe and your business is protected. And they have 24 hour customer support. And now you can get 30% off any annual plan when you choose code IMPROVE at Zenfolio.com. So don't wait. Get started today and see what impact a Zenfolio website can make on your business. That's Z-E-N-F-O-L-I-O.com. Offer code IMPROVE for 30% off any annual plan. Build it beautiful with Zenfolio. Websites, proofing, and selling. All right. So, um... You all know, uh, it's not a secret, uh, that I have been working for a long time uh, on the Photo Locations app. Well, today, I wanted to share a few tips with you about how to find specific photography locations uh, when you uh, know that you're going to be going to an area, and then you want to find... uh, good locations there. So what's your process? What do you guys do right now um, 
when you know you not i'm going to california and i wonder what's there but i know i'm going to death valley i want to shoot there now i need to find where specifically should i go to take pictures what's your process for that Oh, gosh. I mean, I like for me, a lot of it is I mean, uh, I, I live in Los Angeles, so I'm a short drive away from a lot of just gorgeous spots. So I try to get to most spots for uh, for golden hour. I try to get there about an hour and a half before golden hour and then just drive around and and see where things are. However, if I'm doing a paid shoot or something and it's coming up soon and I don't have a chance to actually go to the location, I use Google Earth. You can put the exact uh, day of the year you're going to be in a location and the time of day, and it will show you where the sun is going to be, where the shadows are going to be, and if you're standing in a particular location, what that location is going to look like. So if I have a general idea of a location, I'll kind of fly around in uh, in Google Earth and I'll see what's kind of interesting. And uh, and I'll, I'll kind of previs the, uh, the situation with Google Earth. Cool. Well, for I'd me, so- I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, for me, I would, uh, I usually start with a Google Images search. Like if you you say Death Valley, going there, uh, I might do a Google Images search, kind of get a lay of the land for what other people have done, and then start looking at some of the actual names of these places. You know, like maybe there's a certain feature, there's a certain landmark, whatever. And so, if there's something that has interest uh, with that, then I'll take a more detailed look. Either go to Google Maps or Google Earth and see exactly where that is and start going that way. So I'll, I tend to look more at what have other people been able to get there and then I'll try and see, is there a certain way that I can hopefully do that differently, do that with my own viewpoint, that kind of a thing. But at least I have a destination. I'm probably going to get a pretty good shot, but certainly keep your eyes open for what's along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've, uh, so for the, our app, it's going to be called really good photo spots or <laughs> GPS. Um, it's going to be released in March, 2017 for those, uh, listening to this podcast years down the road. Uh, if, if, uh, you're after March, 2017, you're in luck, you can just use the app, but, um, <laughs> but we've researched literally thousands. We have nine people now researching locations every day, putting in hours and hours. We had thousands and thousands of emails pour into my box over the last two weeks uh, from fans of improved photography. Uh, I sent out an email saying, hey, just like, what are, where are your favorite spots to shoot in your local town? And so we had thousands of emails. Um, and, and so I went through each one and we have a team of nine people just researching the world's photo location. So I've had to develop a quick process and that's what I want to share with you um, for quickly scouting out a location. So this is what I do. Uh, I open three tabs and three tabs alone. First thing is I'll just type the general area in uh, into Flickr. I've found that Flickr, I'm having the best luck with just um, searching the general location. So let's just say Death Valley. Um, so I type Death Valley in here. And all I'm looking for is <coughs> what uh, just for general things that are there. So I see there are some cool sandstone looking kind of mountains. 
Uh, I see there are sand dunes and I see salt flats. Uh, I'm just looking for kind of general areas of, okay, these are cool things that people are getting good images from. I don't really care where they were taken. I just want to know what they are. Okay, now I'm going to be getting into Death Valley and I don't know where any of these places are. And so the best way that I've found to do this is go to Google Maps Grab the little, down in the bottom right corner, there's this little street view man. It's a little yellow guy. Have you seen him on Google Maps? Little yellow icon of a guy. Anyway, you click and drag him onto the map. And, you know, that's where you can drop him onto a street, onto a blue street, and then you get the street view. Well, but we're in Death Valley. There aren't really streets, you know. Um, so there are these photospheres, which are the, the 360 pano images that people have uploaded to the Internet uh, that are geotagged. And uh, Google has put them into Google Maps. So if you click and drag that and just hold it over the map... All of these tiny little blue dots you see everywhere, uh, you can drop. And where you at, wherever you see a clump of them all together must mean this is a, a, an area where people are taking a lot of photos. And inevitably, when you drop it on a little clump of images, you see, oh, this is the mountain shot that, uh, that a lot of people are shooting. And you click and drag it again and you say uh, okay let's let's go see where this is oh this is a lake there are a lot of things there uh so it's just this really cool way of just quickly uh you know i'm going to death valley tonight i've never been there before i need to just get a couple spots to go to rather than aimlessly driving around for hours you can uh, scout out a huge region of area uh, very quickly in just a couple minutes by looking into those photospheres and just knowing what's kind of around Death Valley. So it's been pretty cool. Wow, that is cool. Uh, and the other thing to look for, they have uh, little blue dots uh, or brown dots sometimes uh, where it's a popular uh a place where a lot of people have taken pictures um but there aren't any panos uh, so often if you're looking for like a a viewpoint on a mountain uh if you look for those little brown uh, <coughs> logos you can click those to uh see other photos so i've gotten a lot better at it it's definitely uh, a skill to be learned to be able to scout out a location uh, so that you can have good results whenever you go out to shoot um you know it's always great when you can spend you know, six hours and, you know, drive into the, the middle of nowhere and just see what's out there and find your own cool spots. But, you know, as, as a reality, we don't always have six hours to just drive around aimless, aimlessly. We want to get out and <laughs> we want to get come home with something cool. So uh, it's a great way to scout things quickly. That's great. All right. And now we are on to the best segment of the show, which is the doodads of the week. Uh, Stephen, what do you have for us? So this was something I saw. Um, there's there's a video going around. Actually, there are probably a lot of videos about. There are about 12 guys. This, this takes place in Russia. 12 guys, they surround a tourist. He's got this beautiful Canon camera with a 70 to 200 around his neck. And one guy's got a newspaper. One guy talks to him. Another guy distracts him. And before you know it, this is all caught on security camera. They have physically taken his lens off of his camera passed it off to another guy. This is all happening right in front of him. And, and before you know it, all the guys scatter and he's there. He still has the camera around his neck, but his $2,000 lens is, has been passed off and the guy with the newspaper is covering it under his, under his arm. Um, 
So a lot of people, when they're traveling, they're worried about their gear being stolen. Uh, the camera being stolen can be a little bit more difficult because sometimes you got that in your hand. But uh, these thieves are getting a little bit better. They realize that the lens can be just as expensive, if not more so, than the actual camera themselves. And so with one quick of, uh, flick of the wrist, they can remove that lens off of the camera. This thing, this is uh, from an article on Petapixel. It is, uh, and you can download it right on the site. It is the 3D printed, uh, I, I guess, blueprint for something that he calls uh, a lens safe. It's a little ring that goes around your, uh, between the camera and the lens. Uh, you just put it on there and you have to physically, it takes two hands to remove the lens from the camera. So if you're in a, a so pretty much just kind of blocks that button that you press to twist right. off the lens. Right. It's going to be a very, yeah, it's a very difficult and concerted effort to put your finger in there and release the lens. It's, it's a very di difficult thing, but you can 3d print it. It's about 60 cents to 3d print it and he's made it open source. And so, I mean, Gosh, sixty cents to protect your two thousand dollar lens, and he's made it free. I think that's uh, just a, a fantastic uh, a service for for photographers everywhere. If you have a three D printer, <laughs> if you don't have a three D printer, right? Three D printers are getting more and more uh, uh, affordable, but there are probably uh, they call maker maker spots around uh, in your in your neighborhood that you can go yeah. and you can uh, upload or give them a, a USB key and they'll they'll print it out for you. It should it shouldn't that's cost cool. too much. Yeah, we have two at work. I'm tempted to do this. Oh, you should uh, definitely so. do it. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Brent, what do you have? I have something that I've become quite known for, so it's a little <laughs> bit self-serving. <laughs> oh, I actually got noticed the other day. I was in town at Walmart, and someone's like, oh, you're Brent. I was like, yes. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> and um, no, it's my bucket hat. And so... Years ago, uh, you might also know as a, as a fisherman's hat. Uh, that's what most people will see it as. It looks. This is whenever I see you, Brent. You always have this hat on. Even it in is person, you had the hat, and uh, it reminds me of what about Bob? Where the scene <laughs> where the old couple is out fishing in the lake, yelling yes. at Bob. It yeah. reminds me of it every time. Well, hopefully, those are happy memories. They're happy. Um, so the reason I have it is years ago, I mean, we're talking 20 years ago when I first started seriously shooting pictures, uh, I was like, man, I got to have something that can block, uh, block the sun uh, so I don't get all this glare as I'm looking through the, the viewfinder because I wear glasses. So my, my face is slightly further back than those who don't wear glasses. And so a bucket hat was the perfect solution and I've worn one ever since. Uh, I've also gone bald since then, so it also helps me protect that. But, uh, you know, I've, I've lost one on a zip line in Mexico and I've done some other things where I've lost them. But uh, a couple of weeks or actually a couple months ago now, I bought uh, several hats. So I now have just a nice, you know, collection. I've always got one at the ready and uh, it's become a bit of a trademark for me. But it's really nice for the photographer because it's uh, got the floppy lid or, you know, the little visor type thing doesn't matter which way I put it on because it's even all the way around. It's not like a baseball cap or anything like that. And I just love it for shooting pictures. That's awesome. That's cool. And you can I, roll it I up like and it. keep it in your uh, camera bag. Yeah, I can do true. that if I need to. Uh, like if it's windy out or whatever the case is. Uh, certainly occasionally when I'm hiking, I just get too blooming hot and I got to take it off. But, you know, usually it's, it's ensconced upon my head. So 
<laughs> it's, it's all right. Well, very cool. Um, I'm going to recommend the Epson EX9200 projector today. Um, and this is, I guess, for anybody who's wanting to teach photography uh, or if you're wanting to, uh, you know, you if you use the Lightroom slideshow feature, which I might add is horrible, <laughs> but the Lightroom, if you use the Lightroom uh, feature to like make a slideshow, uh, you may run into a problem that I ran into. So I bought a projector. Oh, I guess this was a few years ago now. Um, and most projectors are not super high resolution. Uh, it's very common to see, you know, uh, well, very low uh, resolution projectors. And so um, you plug it in and then you want to show a Lightroom slideshow or you're teaching photography and you want to show anything in Lightroom. Uh, those panels in Lightroom you have to have a certain resolution or they just, it, the whole screen is blah, it just doesn't work. Um, so the projector that I bought did not work. So I'm recommending this one because it's inexpensive um, and it is 1080p. So it's great for showing photos and Lightrooms and Lightroom and things like that. Uh, and it does a good job of, of showing color as well. A uh, nice color for photos. So if you are coming to the improved photography retreat in March, uh, you will be seeing a lot of these uh, because I bought one for each room. Uh, but uh, if you ever have projection needs for your photography, I can recommend it. Cool. Nice. Thanks, guys, for coming on to chat with me. It was good uh, hearing everything you had to share with us. And uh, to all the Improved Photography fans, man, I, I'm i just overwhelmed with uh, all the support that I've received over the last few weeks uh, working on the app. Uh, uh, I, I mean, we had thousands of emails uh, pouring in from... I got emails from Syria, Afghanistan, Iraq all kinds of countries that I'd never even heard of. I mean, it's just so cool uh, what we're creating as a photography community uh, with everybody who's shared those locations to uh, just give everybody else good opportunities to shoot. So uh, things are coming together. Uh, we're working together, working toward our time frame in March, and uh, I think we are still on track. So thanks, everybody, awesome. and we'll see right you on. in the next episode. <clears throat>